Welcome to the Causative Agent Podcast, incredible science stories from the past and the present. Episode one, Red Flags in San Francisco. Do you ever notice a pinkish or reddish film on your shower curtain, toilet, or bathroom tile? What even is that stuff? Is it mold? Is it dangerous? Well, most likely, it's Serratia marcescens, a common bacteria that grows in damp areas like bathrooms, toilets, and sometimes people. It produces a pigment called prodigiosin, from the word prodigious, meaning remarkable or marvelous. And considering Serratia might be responsible for a miracle in Catholic history, it certainly may be marvelous indeed. But more about that later. September 1950, San Francisco. A large Navy minesweeper ship was drifting two miles offshore in the bay. On their deck, two different kinds of bacteria destined for airborne release. Over the course of the next six days, Serratia marcescens and Bacillus globulus were let loose on the citizens of California. In some reports, these bacteria were sprayed into the air with hoses. In other reports, Air balloons containing bacteria were released by these naval ships and exploded over the city. Whichever way this happened, the end result was the same. Almost one million people living in the Bay Area were exposed. It was called Operation Sea Spray, and it was part of a secret U.S. military mission perpetrated on its own citizens. Why did the U.S. government do this? In an effort to understand how vulnerable a major American city was to biological warfare attack from the sea, they decided to try it out. They picked two bacteria that were, at the time, thought to be harmless, and intentionally released them in a manner they thought a terrorist might choose. San Francisco, close to the ocean, densely populated with tall buildings, seemed like a perfect choice. Serratia, also, was a perfect choice, since it was thought not to cause illness, and with its distinctive red pigmentation, would be easy to find during sampling. It's red flag flying for all military microbiologists to see. Sampling sites from 43 areas around the bay were chosen. Serratia was found at all 43 sites, extending out into even the suburban and surrounding areas like Berkeley, Oakland, Sausalito. The government's own estimates from these sampling sites was that every single resident, all 800,000 of them, were exposed to at least 5,000 bacteria. The experiment was a resounding success. In the U.S. government's own words, quote, It was noted that a successful biological warfare attack on this area can be launched from the sea and that effective dosages can be produced over relatively large areas, end quote. Was this legal? Was this the only time the government performed biological warfare tests on an unknowing American population? 
Well, I can't answer the question of whether or not this violated any American law, as there really were no laws at that time regarding something like this. However, after World War II, when it became known that the Nazis were performing hideous and horrifying experiments on human subjects, a code of ethics was produced outlining what they called permissible medical experiments. These codes were one of the products of the Nuremberg trials of Nazi war crimes. More specifically, the case of USA versus Brandt, also known as the doctor's trial, which tried Nazi doctors for the inhumane medical experiments performed at concentration camps and the over 3 million sterilizations performed on German citizens. There are 10 points in this code of permissible medical experimentation. The first, though, is arguably the most important. It reads... The voluntary consent of the human subject is absolutely essential. This means that the person involved should have legal capacity to give consent, should be so situated as to be able to exercise free power of choice without the intervention of any element of force, fraud, deceit, duress, overreaching, or other ulterior form of constraint or coercion, and should have sufficient knowledge and comprehension of the elements of the subject matter involved as to enable him to make an understanding and an enlightened decision. This latter element requires that before the acceptance of an affirmative decision by the experimental subject, there should be made known to him the nature, duration, and purpose of the experiment, the method and means by which it is to be conducted, all inconveniences and hazards reasonably to be expected, and the effects upon his health or person which may possibly come from his participation in the experiment, the duty and responsibility for ascertaining the quality of the consent rests upon each individual who initiates, directs, or engages in the experiment. It is a personal duty and responsibility which may not be delegated to another with impunity. Okay. Did the government make known to the residents of California the nature, duration, and purpose of the experiment, the hazards or effects upon their health? Was the voluntary consent of these residents ever received? No, no, and no. Not only did the government not receive consent, they didn't even inform anyone that this experiment was about to occur. Not even medical professionals or local scientists. Nobody knew about Operation Sea Spray. That is until the records were declassified in 1977. Was this the only time that the government performed an experiment like this? Also, no. In the 20 years between 1949 and 1969, over 200 intentional release experiments were performed on an unknowing population of American citizens. In 80 of these, live bacteria were used. The others included chemical agents or particulates that were meant to simulate bacteria. Well, where were these tests performed? Panama City, Key West, New York, Minnesota, Washington, D.C. One experiment even released bacteria into the subway system in midtown Manhattan and found that the bacteria were carried for miles along the subway tracks. Yes, while people were actually riding the trains. Another experiment released bacteria into Washington, D.C.'s National Airport and Greyhound Bus Terminal and found that the bacteria contaminated and followed passengers as they traveled to 39 other cities. But those are stories for another day. Back to San Francisco. 
Since Horatio was considered to be harmless, this should be the end of the story, right? Well, it may have been, until people started showing up at a local hospital with unusual urinary tract infections. Eleven people came to Stanford University Hospital in San Francisco in early October with urinary tract infections that had one very unusual symptom. A reddish coloration in their urine that wasn't due to blood. When they did finally identify the pathogen, the clinicians noted that this was the first ever recorded outbreak of serratia marcescens in history. How did the bacteria get into these people's urinary tracts? Well, it's unknown, but all of these individuals had recently had some sort of procedure or surgery on their urinary or reproductive tract. One man who eventually died of serratia endocarditis, or infection of the heart, had started with a urinary tract infection following a prostate surgery. That man, Edward Nevin, was the only person to have died in one of two that had serratia identified in their bloodstream. During his autopsy, it was noted that he had lesions on his heart valves, serratia in the blood taken from his heart, and also damage to other organs like liver, kidneys, and lungs. All 11 of these people had some sort of recent clinical or surgical procedure, which at the time indicated to the doctors that maybe there was a contaminant in the clinic. However, upon investigation, none of these procedures took place at the same clinic, nor with any of the same clinicians. There was no connection between them. They even noted that the surgical equipment used on these 11 people were sterilized in different ways, in different places. So it couldn't have been an issue of a problem with medical equipment cleanliness. There seemed to be nothing in common. An exhaustive epidemiological study couldn't locate the source of the infection. I mean, I can imagine how frustrated these doctors were to try to identify the source of this outbreak when all the time the source was in the very air that they breathed. The doctors investigating these cases came to the conclusion that serratia was selected for due to the multiple antibiotics that the patient was on. They concluded the paper with this statement, quote, It is evident that the ever-widening use of antimicrobial agents will be associated with the discovery of infectious disease caused by a wide variety of unusual microorganisms, end quote. Basically, they felt that antibiotics that this patient took had eliminated all the usual bacterial suspects and left behind a fertile ground for unique and unusual bacteria to grow and be discovered. They never did figure out how serratia had gotten into this man's body in the first place, though, until Operation Sea Spray was declassified in 1977, almost 30 years later. At that point, looking back, this outbreak, local only to San Francisco, made perfect sense. Serratia, which was thought to be harmless, and probably is in healthy people, attacked these patients because they had recently undergone surgical procedures which gave serratia a wound to infect. These patients were also all put on antibiotics, which removed any bacterial competitors that serratia may have had. As bad luck would have had it. Serratia is highly antibiotic-resistant, meaning that it could establish a site of infection when the other bacteria could not. The men were exposed to serratia by the U.S. government. The surgery that they had just undergone set the stage for infection by this unusual bacteria. 
The antibiotics removed any competing bacteria, allowed Serratia to exploit this new human niche. Mystery solved. But there was another mystery, a divine mystery, that occurred 700 years earlier, which may also be explained by this reddish bacteria. Bolsina, Italy, 1263. A Catholic Mass celebrating the Eucharist is proceeding. In the Eucharist, unleavened bread and wine are consecrated on the altar. During the process of transubstantiation, the bread actually becomes the body of Christ. The wine becomes the blood. Attendees of the Mass then consume this bread and wine, taking into themselves the body and the blood of Christ. At this particular Mass, the priest, though, had doubts. About transubstantiation, he was conflicted. Is this Catholic rite just a metaphor? Or does the bread and wine actually become the body and blood of the Savior? During this particular Mass in 1263, though, the bread had a reddish stain on it. The bread appeared to be bleeding. As the priest wiped away the red color from the bread, it reappeared. The red color even began to stain the corporal, the white linen cloth that's pl placed beneath the Eucharist. Can you imagine to the stunned and doubting priest the appearance of what seemed to be blood on the very Eucharist itself? <laughs> Must have been a miracle. To this day, the red-stained corporal is maintained in a reliquary in the cathedral in Orvieto, southwestern Umbria, in Italy. It's taken out once a year at the Feast of Corpus Christi and paraded around the town of Orvieto. The Feast of Corpus Christi, or the Day of the Most Holy Body and Blood of Jesus Christ the Lord, occurs the Thursday after Trinity Sunday, 60 days after Easter. In 2022, this day fell on June 16th. It's thought by many that this red pigmentation is actually prodigiosin, the red pigment of Serratia. Serratia, which does indeed grow very well on bread, will create a red layer on contaminated bread, which, when scraped off, will reappear as more bacteria grow. In fact, the very discovery of Serratia happened in 1819 when pharmacist and chemist Bartolomeo Bizio noticed a blood-red stain on a sample of polenta. He named it Serratia, after a fellow Italian physicist, Serafino Serrati. I wonder... If we were to take a sample of the stain on the corporal, would we find traces of prodigiosin? DNA from Serratia itself? Could the same bacteria that seemed to come out of the very sky in San Francisco also be the cause of this Catholic miracle? Back to 1977. The Army released the details of Operation Sea Spray at a hearing of the U.S. Senate Subcommittee on Health and Scientific Research. They said that the 11 cases of serratia infection in those living in San Francisco and the death of Edward Nevin were completely coincidental and must have been the result of medical equipment contamination. Well, never mind that this outbreak occurred just two weeks after Operation Sea Spray, and serratia had never before been seen in humans in San Francisco or otherwise, nor was it known to be a usual environmental bacteria in that area. The family of Edward Nevin sued the U.S. government in 1981, although they were ruled against in lower courts. They took their wrongful death case all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, but they were never able to find justice there. 
Did Operation Sea Spray end up changing the ecosystem of the Bay Area? Some microbiologists think so, although it'll be impossible to prove without either environmental samples taken before 1950 or direct DNA fingerprinting evidence that shows a familial connection between the serratia found in San Francisco and those samples released by the U.S. government. Some doctors suspect serratia as the cause of a mysterious outbreak of heart valve infections in the Bay Area in IV drug users in the 1960s and 70s. It turns out that serratia caused 14% of all cases of endocarditis in IV drug users in San Francisco during those years. Could serratia, seeded by Operation Sea Spray into the local environment, have contaminated the water, the needles, or the drugs that these people were injecting? In 2001, serratia was found to be contaminating a San Francisco compounding pharmacy. Doc's Pharmacy in Walnut Creek was filling cortisone shots to be used in a nearby outpatient clinic. Dozens of people received these serratia-contaminated shots. Ten were hospitalized, and three died of meningitis or blood infections with serratia. The pharmacy, it turned out, was filling orders in unsanitary conditions, and serratia bacteria was discovered growing inside a tropical fish tank located near the area where prescriptions were being filled. Considering how rare serratia infections in people are, it's very interesting that so many cases of serratia infections, hospitalizations, and deaths keep cropping up in the Bay Area, the very same site where the U.S. Navy released this bacteria so many years ago. <laughs> 